Today we join churches around the world to focus on and pray for our Christian brothers and sisters who are experiencing many kinds of persecution, including imprisonment, torture, abduction, rape, separation from their families, burning of their houses, burning of their church buildings, and being under continual surveillance all the time. We are part of Christ's body and God's family. This family includes all followers of Jesus Christ all over the world. We are all members of one family, one body of Christ, one church. When we think about the church and we're concerned about it, we think mostly about Lockwood. We're trying to help, help us to remember other churches in our community, and that's great. We need to pray for them as well. But we're also part of the church in Michigan and Indiana, the church in America, North America, the church in all the world. And we need to remember we're part of this worldwide body of Christ. And we need to pray for each other and care for each other. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 9 to 15, we read these words. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So as we think about the church being persecuted today in many parts of the world, our part, according to Paul, includes at least these things from the scripture. Love one another, including our fellow believers being persecuted. How can we love those we don't know? Personally, it's difficult. But love means, in this sense, being concerned about them. Praying for their good welfare, for their protection, for the meeting of their needs. We need to pray continually, including praying for the first persecuted. Not just today on this special day, each year, which we remember, but all the time. We need to contribute money for their needs through our offering today as we are planning to do later. We need to try to feel their pain, their fear, their anxiety, their sorrow as much as is possible. And the letter of the Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 3, it says, it's on our bulletin too, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you are also 
in the body. You were also in the body. We are in the body, the body of Christ. One body, one family in all the earth. And as in the physical body, when one member or part of our body is hurting, the whole body is hurting and takes notice. When fellow Christians are being persecuted and mistreated, we need to not only be aware of what they are suffering, but with God's help, empathize with them, pray for them, and send help to them, somehow letting them know that they do not suffer alone. In several letters recorded in our New Testament, it mentions a special offering that Paul is collecting from non-Jewish Christians that he is taking to the Jewish Christians who are suffering from famine and persecution in and around Jerusalem. There's always been a great partition of suspicion and separation between Jews and non-Jews, Gentiles. So this is an amazing expression of love for, not, for, for non-Jews to show love and to give practical help to the Jewish Christians, most of whom they've never met. But for Paul and for us, we Christians are all one church, one body, one family, from many languages and cultures, situations, territories geographically. The non-Jewish Christians did not know their Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ, but they gave anyway. They cared and prayed for them. And though we do not know fellow believers in North Korea, Pakistan, Somalia, Somalia, or in other countries where they are being persecuted, even today, we can care, pray, and share to show God's love and provision for them. Margaret and I have experienced being part of church fellowships in worship and prayer in many countries when we were missionaries with Wycliffe Bible Translators. We participated in worship in many languages, in English, French, Kiswahili, Fulani, Bafut, Volof, Melanesian Pidgin, and other languages. And guess what? We didn't know all those languages. <laughs> and when we listened to a service in another language, sometimes we had friends who, who translated for us. Now, this is what he said. This is what he said. This is what he said. And that helped us. But even though we didn't have the same language, we felt God's spirit wherever we were. And we were in many different countries a number of them in Africa, in Kenya, Republic of Congo, in Cameroon, and Ghana, and Ivory Coast, and then in in Asia, at least one of uh, uh, I was able to go to Papua New Guinea, the Philippines, Australia. We also worshipped in England, and of course here in America. What a joy and privilege this has been for us to experience oneness of Christ with believers all over the world. 
This is a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like, you know, with people from every tribe and nation and language and race and culture all worshiping together. A little different from Lockwood Church. So we have to think about that. Today, millions of fellow Christians are being persecuted. Someday, some of us may also suffer persecution. We need to pray that they and we will be faithful to Christ as long as we live. We all have different challenges. They have so many more than we do. Yes, God has called us to be in one family, members of one family, his family, Christ's body. And today we have a going to have a very small glimpse of what some of our family are suffering, and we have the privilege to pray for them and also to share to help give them support, encouragement, and love. Now as we prepare to pray for the persecuted church, I want to show a map of the world. Open Doors is one of the agencies ministering to those being persecuted. And they publish each year a watch list of countries that are persecuting Christians. And they list in order of the degree of persecution that's available, that uh, the information is available, uh, which of these countries have the most. The deepest colors are those in which there's the most um, persecution, the most terrible persecution. And they've listed 50 countries. The most severe persecution is now taking place in North Korea, Afghanistan and Somalia and others, including Pakistan, the Sudan in East Africa, Syria, Iraq, Iran, and Yemen in the Middle East, Uzbekistan, and China in Asia. It lists uh, all of these different countries, and it says that there are many who have been harassed, arrested, killed, imprisoned, abducted for their faith. This morning, I, Larry, Knapp, and Margaret Muir will share some of the facts and brief history of each of these three countries, and then we'll spend some time praying for each of them silently. We can't cover all 50 countries that are listed, but we can do for a few. So I will begin with North Korea, the worst place on earth for Christians. We are concerned about North Korea for a lot of different reasons. One reason is because the government and the government leader, Mr. Kim, is threatening the world with nuclear weapons. And for a number of years, that's been going on. But it seems to be getting worse, and it's a real concern. That is, uh, for the 16th consecutive year, North Korea is ranked as the most oppressive place in the world for Christians. The leader, supreme leader, is Kim Jong-un. Population is over 25 million. There are over 300,000 Christians 
a tiny minority. The main religion, of course, is atheism or traditional beliefs. The source of persecution is mainly communist oppression from a dictator and a, ter- and a, a dictatorial government. In this totalitarian communi- communist state, Christians are forced to hide their faith completely from government author- authorities, neighbors, and often even in their own spouses and children. Due to ever-present surveillance, many pray with eyes open and gathering for praise or worship is practically impossible. And everyone informs on, is supposed to inform on others. So if you see someone that you suspect as being a Christian, you report them. Worship of the ruling Kim family is mandated for citizens. And those who don't comply, including Christians, are arrested, imprisoned, tortured, or killed. This is very similar to the first century when worship of the emperor was required. And Christians suffered persecution because they didn't worship him. Entire Christian families are imprisoned in hard labor camps where unknown numbers of die each year from torture, beatings, overexertion, and starvation. Those who attempt to flee to South Korea through China risk execution or life imprisonment, and those who stay behind often fare no better. And those who are found to be Korean refugees in China returns them back to Korea. Through local partners, Open Doors is, is serving Christians along with other agencies in these areas. I'd like to tell you a story of one woman as Hei Wu looked into her husband's cell. She could not believe her eyes. The man before her was hardly recognizable from the torture he'd received, but she knew it was him. He covertly slipped something into her hand that would change her life forever. It was his profession of faith in Jesus. Later, she began to follow Christ and ended up in a cell in prison herself. Despite being faced with starvation and torture, Ewu realized that she had been given an opportunity to share the gospel with those around her. Before long, a number of women in the camp had placed their faith in Christ, and secret gatherings for fellowship began. They only could meet in one place, in the toilet outhouse where they would have some privacy. There the women silently sang songs of praise, silently sang songs of praise, prayed and shared the Bible verses they knew with one another. Amazingly, she was later released from prison and managed to flee to South Korea. Her testimony is representative of the many North Korean Christians who suffer and die in prison camps each year and serves as a reminder of God's power and faithfulness. North Korea has four uh, prison camps for political prisoners and eight for re-education. Re-education means talk them out of their faith. Get some sense into their lives. They give up their faith. So, as we think about Korea, let us take a few moments now to pray for our Korean brothers and sisters. And here are a few things on the, on the screen that we can pray for. 
And that's just the beginning. Seek the Lord as to how we might pray together silently for our Korean brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Dear Father God, it is hard for us to imagine what your people who belong to Jesus are suffering in North Korea today. We ask you to be with them, to encourage and sustain them by your spirit, to protect them, to provide ways for them to meet together secretly for worship and teaching. We pray for government leaders to change, to hear the gospel, and even to be drawn to you. We pray for Christians in prison camps to remain faithful and to be sustained and faithful through their time of trial and suffering. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Now Larry Knapp will come and share about persecution in Somalia, East Africa. Good morning. Well, what do we know about Somalia? You know, as for me, the only thing I know about Somalia is when I went to a movie called uh, Black, Black Hawk Down. It was maybe 20 years ago, and the um, American military forces were being attacked by militia fighters in uh, Somalia, in Mogadishu. I think many of you remember that. Or maybe we know something about that country when we saw the movie um, Captain Phillips, where Tom Hanks played a captain of a ship that Somalian pirates kidnapped and the ordeal he went through. Well, that's, that's kind of old news. Those movies have come and gone, and the newspapers are no longer writing about Somalia. You know, it's um, out of sight, out of mind. That's what happens, and we tend to forget. We forget what is going on in these countries. So I'm here to remind you a little about what's going on in, in Somalia. You know, we because we have a tendency to forget, that's why God often puts in the scriptures, remember, remember this, don't forget that. Remember those who are in prison and those who have been mistreated. Those are reminders because we so often forget. And it's hard, too, to identify with people we've never seen before, faces we've never seen, voices we've never heard. So that's why we do this every year, is just to remind us that there is a huge part of the body of Christ that is suffering, that is persecuted, and we here, our persecution is in forms of maybe ridicule or uh, rejection. It's a whole lot different for people in these countries. About uh, 20, 25 years ago, there was a civil war in Somalia. A bunch of tribal clans were fighting against the government, and the government was pretty much overthrown. 
And because of that, there was anarchy. In other words, there was no rule. Uh, the, the world called it a failed state. There was, there was no government. And because of that, because there was no authoritative um, central power, then extremist groups were able to just run rampant all over the country. One of those is Al-Shabaab. Maybe you remember that in the news. It's a terrorist group. But um, there are many terrorist groups in Somalia, and, and they just had control because there was no other there was no other force. There was no other authority. Well, it affected Christians there. They, Christians had absolutely no voice in society. And as a result, Christianity was just about wiped out. Totally wiped out. Because if there was a, a man or a woman who turned from Islam to Christianity, they were often publicly executed. You know, God is sovereign, but he lets, he lets evil affect his own church. That's why um, the church really is here to complete the sufferings of Christ. Christ is the body of the church, or the church is the body of Christ. So uh, they go through extreme persecution. Here, here is the testimony of one man. His name is Muhammad. You can imagine there's probably a million Muhammads in that country. And he had a friend named Ahmed. <laughs> there are probably half a million Ahmeds in that country. But anyway, here's his testimony, Muhammad's testimony. You are a kafir. It's an infidel. You will die. This is his friend saying this. You will die. When I heard this, I knew that my Bible had been found. So Ahmad found that Bible, and he attacked Muhammad with a knife. I saw nothing, just felt the sudden sharp pain to my head, felt the blood streaming down my neck. Ahmed was my friend. He'd lived in my house for many years. Someone I'd known for a long time. But, Muhammad says, I have continued to place my hope in Christ. It is the only place where I have had inner peace. Despite the isolation and persecution, I am at peace, Muhammad says. That is why I hold on to Christ. Going back to Islam is no option. You and I don't aren't faced with those situations like Muhammad or the young woman who went to prison in North Korea. We face some persecution. They face extreme persecution. So um, if we can have on the, the screen, I'd like you to join with me in praying for Somalia and for Christians there 
And would you just close your eyes and and let me go through these points here and and just pray about these situations. Would you pray for these Christians like Muhammad who risk death if their faith is discovered and struggle with keeping this faith to themselves? Would you pray that right now? Would you pray that they would have wisdom and discernment, these Christians who are being persecuted, have wisdom and discernment as to who and how and where to share the gospel with others. And they do it with a quiet, loving, and yet a boldness. Would you pray that they will know and experience God's presence with them, that he would strengthen and encourage them? Would you pray for them when they are isolated and alone, not able to join other believers for worship and teaching? Would you pray that God would be with them in this isolation and aloneness. Would you pray that they might have endurance and that they might call out, as did those who have gone before them, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Those are the martyrs who have gone before these suffering, persecuted believers in a place like Somalia or a place like North Korea, a place like Afghanistan. That They might have endurance and keep the faith to pray that. Father, we've been given the privilege of joining with and praying for our brothers and sisters around the world, some who experience things we can't even imagine. So we pray your gracious, loving hand upon them. that as they go through the valley of the shadow of death, that they will fear no evil, that you are with them as the good shepherd. May we rejoice along with them that we can put our trust in Almighty God and his Son, Jesus Christ, in his name we pray, amen. And now Margaret is going to share our last country. These are number one, two, and three uh, in this watch list.
Yes, among the, the countries of persecution, North Korea is the worst, Somalia is the second, and Afghanistan is the third worst country of persecution of Christians. We hear about Afghanistan in the news regarding war usually. I don't know if you can picture where it is, but if you can picture where India is, to the west of that is Pakistan and to the west of Pakistan is Afghanistan. Afghanistan's leader is President Ashraf Ghani. It is a republic. The main religion is Islam, but there are thousands of Christians there also, some who have been Christians and some who are new converts. There are 30, over 34 million people, but thousands are Christians. Christians in Afghanistan experience extreme persecution, severe pressure on believers resulting from Islamic oppression is exerted mostly by families, friends, and community, but also by local religious leaders. The state authorities are weak, and Islam is viewed as a welcome unifying factor, especially as society agrees that conversion away from Islam cannot be tolerated. Many who convert from Islam to Christianity are murdered once their extended families learn of their new faith. In other families, Christian converts are delivered to mental hospitals under the premise that no one in their right mind would ever choose to leave Islam. In any case, converts usually lose their rights to personal property and possessions effectively leaving them destitute. This can occur even upon the mere suspicion of conversion, a fear tactic that leads family members to react all the more harshly in curbing even the slightest hint of interest in Christianity. But one of the methods, one of the tools God is using in Afghanistan is Christian radio. Saif is an Afghan man with a wife and seven children. He is not, was not a Christian, but he apparently was listening to a Christian radio station, and when they offered it, he sent and got a New Testament. Along with God's word coming into his house, God brought a miracle to Saif and his family. Saif desired to share what God's word had miraculously done in his family, but he was afraid to tell anyone. So he called a follow-up team from the Christian radio station, and he said to them, One of my seven children was disabled and could not walk. When I brought the New Testament into my house, she started to move. I began to read from the Bible and she started to walk. After Saif had finished telling his story to the counselor on the radio from the radio station, they prayed together. A few days later, Saif called again. People in my village want to know how my daughter was healed. 
What do I tell them? Miracles happen to the glory of God, the counselor said. Share about your experience with Jesus. Saif didn't contact the radio counselor anymore, and they were concerned about him. So they called his wife, who explained that he had been kidnapped. Unexpectedly, the radio counselors received a call from Saif soon after that. After being abducted by extremists, he had been able to escape. Saif and his family are now followers of Jesus. I'm not sure where they're living, but they are without a church or a small group. But they do have fellowship, and that fellowship is by the radio. Let us pray for uh, the people in Afghanistan. Father, I thank you for putting us together in, with your other believers into one body. I thank you for your spirit in us and in them. I ask especially, Father, that new believers would sense your strength and your power and your presence in their lives. I ask that you would give them wisdom to know how to live according to the, their new faith. And I pray, Father, that they would, you would enable them to be bright lights in the darkness of their world and that you would shine that light into the lives of others. And I pray, Father, that you would bring persecutors to faith in Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.